This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Hotbody Dawson. Pa, pa, pa. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? And who might you be? And how are you today? Good. <laughs> That's nice to hear. Leave them that much time to explain. Unless you said something saying, bad, in which case, well, you know, keep mm. going. Uh, try to talk to people about it and you know things yeah, things uh, always it, improve whatever it is it will pass it will pass this too shall pass it might yeah. not, unless it doesn't it might not that's that's always probably a, will. a risk yeah anyway let's not get get tied up and all that kind of thing this no. is another one of those episodes we're doing one of those single issue episodes where we discuss something uh, a subject of interest and we've uh, decided to go for bedtime on this occasion Thank you for those people who suggested topics, almost all of which we've ignored. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, mate, um, yeah. to start with, just talk me through your life in bedtimes, right from the start. Before we do, to, oh, okay. to start with, there's one, one element that I remembered the other day. I saw something that referenced this the other day. I can't remember what it was. But I thought, oh, that's something which has disappeared from, from bedtime. Mm from when I was a kid to when my kids were kids, mm. and that is bedtime prayers. Oh, yeah, my mum used to do those. Did you ever say those. bedtime prayers when you were a kid, Sam? Well, if you want to know the truth, I was never compelled to. It wasn't at all part of our culture. It was a godless household. Culture. Yeah, it was a pretty godless household. <laughs> but, like, um, well, my family's weird because both my parents were raised extremely Catholic, Right, very, like ah, okay. my mum yeah. was raised by fucking nuns and went to yeah. confession every week, and uh, you know, as fucking Catholic as you could get, that was her upbringing, right? And um, yeah. my dad also, <clears throat> you know, um, Irish family. Mm-hmm. It was the priests that raised him, and and even my, I was away with my cousin that week, and even he, you know, like my mum had one sister, and she sent all of her kids my cousins to catholic school Mm. and i think my mum probably would have not out of like she was just like conditioned to you know there's a lot of fear a huge amount of fear and guilt in catholicism and that really fucking wormed its way into my mum's psyche and it was about my dad's response to a catholic upbringing was to go Mm -hmm. vehemently and aggressively against that and all religion and that's the only reason why uh me and my brother's grew up in a in a explicitly militantly atheist environment to the extent mm. that like my dad obviously wasn't around when I was a kid but he was around when my brothers were kids and he would have them excused from assembly because it was a C of E school that we went like well, like right. all schools yeah. really were C of E then weren't they you even if yeah. you didn't go yeah. to an overtly religious school a, a normal school was <clears> C of E and so you would do the lord's prayer every day minimum and he was excused. He had them excused from all assemblies because he was that anti-religion, right? Fucking and, hell. Yeah, he was like fucking militant. So when I came along, he wasn't there doing all that. So I never got excused from assemblies. I had to do it all, right? But by that stage, I think my mum had sort of thought, well, you know, there's not going to be... We just don't do that shit here. But I was an anxious child. And as a result of being anxious, although outwardly... I sort of towed the line and said that I was an atheist. 
I was very anxious and paranoid and I said a secret little prayer to myself every night from about the age of fucking eight or younger onwards in which I would just pray to God, right, to not let anything bad happen to me or my family, right, which really is indicative of a, of a not a healthy state of mind. Do you know what I mean? Somehow mm. I was living in a state of anxiety and fear that some sort of fucking bad shit was going to happen. I was praying to this God and yet pretending to anyone who'd listened that I didn't believe in God. And I carried yeah. on doing this well into my teens. And to be oh, honest, said, it was only yeah. when I started sharing a bed with <clears throat> lady friends that I stopped doing it because it became impractical because I used to, even when I was pissed, sort of lie in bed and sort of say a little prayer to my, whisper a little prayer to myself and then, you know, it, it that that wasn't seductive for women. And so then I had to knock it on the head. And then and then ultimately I realised this is insane and it's making me more anxious and paranoid than I am anyway because I'm fucking mm. living this weird sort of f- sec- like secret life as a God-fearing <laughs> lunatic. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was fucking weird. Uh, and I hadn't well, admitted I to that. I, wrote, to I think honest, I wrote that well, in my yeah. book, but I hadn't admitted to it till recently. It was one of those sort of strange secret behaviours that I suppose everyone has mm-hmm. weird little secret behaviours that I admitted to because I just started to think, that was fucking weird. Like, where did that come from? So mm. that was my experience of prayers. There was no one ever compelled me to say a prayer, quite the opposite. And yet I was secretly praying at bedtime. You, fucking you mad. You didn't do it, yeah? yeah? Yeah, under your own volition. Yeah, well. Yeah, I, th- I think we, we used to say prayers until, I think it was kind of when I went to Sunday school up to the age of seven. Right. Prayers that have been probably part of bedtime as well. But then at the age of Sunday, seven, you progressed from Sunday school to... Mm. Um, next level Sunday school whatever it was which wasn't in the big hall where you would just like do activities and play football and stuff like that which was fun fun day school you could call it rather than Sunday Mm. school and then you progressed to this slightly more mature one which was more boring and churchy and religious-y yeah and I just went nah not doing that anymore sorry don't want to go to that yeah I want I want a leather jacket like the punk rockers have got yeah yeah and I got I got um, a a vinyl jacket rather than a leather one yeah, Someone I, else had, I, I was reading about that. But, oh, them. John Niven's book, which I can't recommend highly right. enough. He he writes about the same thing. Is about this the one about his brother? The book about his brother, the new one, yeah. yeah. And he's like, I, I have to, uh, you know, it's really a memoir about his own life mm. as much as his brother. And there's fucking funny bits in it. There's some very top flight time machine sort of appropriate bits about school days and things. But he writes about... The, the pain that he felt in his desire for a leather jacket, a biker jacket. Yeah. And in the end, yeah. saving up and getting one on the catalogue, right? But when it turned up, it was vinyl. And not only vinyl, yeah. it had a weird pattern to it. So he's turned up at school <laughs> and actually the whole thing's backfired rather than it be, wow, look at John. He's done really cool. People are like pissing themselves and fucking hammering him for yeah. it. That is, so you'll, you'll relate to that. The pain of getting the vinyl alternative remember. to the leather jacket. Yeah. It felt good enough. And it, it was a zip-up one as well. Like, I remember still, it had like a, a very fat black zip. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he had a zip and it is, was it, t- and so it's the type with a sort of weird flap, like a lapel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty much like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was when prayers ended, I reckon. And my kids, I don't remember ever getting them to say prayers at bedtime. But did you um, raise your kids with any faith? 
at all or well the, the, the oh yeah you got christened we talked about this recently in our the, church they got baptized, episode. yeah, they, yeah. She, she was raised a catholic and mm. is, was kind of still into it even in adulthood yeah and the schools were better apparently not sure yeah, they were people not, say that. Okay. I, I, um, yeah, and they, um, yeah, we, they, they went to Catholic school and went to church now and again. So um, they've had all that kind of throughout their lives. So they've done prayers at school, obviously. I guess yeah. they do. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. I don't ask. But there was never any bedtime prayers. But that that was a part of bedtime when I was little. You said you had. Was there something else you were going to mention before we started and then I jumped in on prayers? I was just going to say, talk me through your bedtimes, your life in bedtimes, oh, Andy Dawson's life in bedtimes. What What was your earliest memory of having a bedtime and how long did it last? Highlight, uh, early highlight will have been, we moved house when I was five from mm. a three-bedroom house to a two-bedroom house, which is a weird thing to do, but it mm. was a bigger house. Okay. It had a bigger garden. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was a step up. But it meant that me and my brother would be sharing a bedroom for the first time, which we hadn't done before. So I was mm. five, he was two. Uh, and we got bunk beds. Yes. That was the sound. It was like, fun. you have to share a bedroom together now, but you're going to get bunk beds. Yeah, So obviously I, I was the older one. I got the top bunk. That was just fucking dreamland. Um, That was the high... Did you share, did you share a bedroom with your brother? I shared or? a bedroom with my brother, Casper. I mean, fucking hell. Like, you got to understand, he was seven years older than me. I was right? going to say a big age difference, wasn't it? A massive age difference. But we lived in a small house, and, like, it was the, the, it was the only option we had. When we first, it was a three-bedroom house, very small terraced house, and it's like there was three bedrooms. So my mum had one, and when we first moved in, Dom and Theo, who were the two oldest, shared one, which was fucking tiny. I mean, it's not big. Mm. It, was, it was smaller than the Vita Modular. No, Theo fucked off after. Theo gave it about a year and was like, fuck this. And he went and moved <laughs> in with my dad, right? And uh, and me and Cass shared the other one. And like, I look back now, I wrote an article about it not that long ago about how actually I resented him because he was a bully. He would not let me put West Ham things up on my side of the wall because he was a QPR fan, Right and all of this stuff but looking back I realise now fuck what a nightmare for him more than it was for me really because as well yeah. as he will tell anyone that listens he is he's a self he he's the, basically the self-proclaimed prettiest boy in West London right he's in my phone as pretty boy that's his nickname right? self-proclaimed an important part of that yeah he, sentence, he regards really? himself yeah. to be uh, very attractive to women, and I have to say, when he was younger, he had a quite—he did have an extraordinary record with women. There's no denying it, right? I don't know what it was. Yeah. He was the only blonde. There's four of us, and he had—he had blonde hair, right? Yeah. Uh, but he also says that he had pretty boy looks, right? And he did—he had an incredible track record, and he would bring birds home a lot, sometimes different ones every day. And this is like. I'm not talking like when he's 18. I'm talking like when he's like 13, right? <laughs> Fucking hell. Like, he, 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 to be fair to him, he was extraordinary. Well, you just <laughs> pick him up off the street sort of thing. Like, literally, like, like, like every girl at the school, like everyone, and even like older women, like showed interest in him and stuff, right? And... Um, <laughs> I mean, he, he was cheeky. 
I'll give him that, and that must have helped yeah. as well. Right, cheeky chappy, um, he, pretty boy. He wasn't shy. He was very cheeky, and he was quite pretty. And uh, yeah. but he was very arrogant about it. I mean, I've told you about the time we almost got thrown off a plane in Glasgow. We'd been to because the, the problem was he got older. <laughs> he got older, and you know he he put on weight, but he still regarded himself. Still to this day, he doesn't see any difference between him in 1982 and him now. Yeah. He thinks his looks are the same. Still right? pretty on the inside. But in, uh, no, he believes that he is still like extraordinarily attractive, outside. right? Mm. And we were this is going back almost 20 years. It's in the early noughties. He managed to get tickets for Celtic versus Rangers. He had a load of Celtic fan mates, right? And he'd been going mm. to Celtic quite a lot because he'd been working in Scotland. And he goes, I've got us tickets for the Derby. And I was like, fucking great. So we went up and we watched Celtic versus Rangers. Celtic won 3-0. Extraordinary day out. What a game to go to. And obviously we get fucking hammered afterwards, right? Out in Glasgow, mm-hmm. all these Celtic lads. And then we're getting the plane back that night. And we're on the plane and we're sat in those doors. You know the ones by the escape, by the uh, exit, the escape hatch. Yeah, <laughs> don't know why I called it that, but it sounds good, doesn't it? Um, and we're sat there. You know, they have an extra bit of legroom, yeah. And mm-hmm. we're we're fucking taxiing on the tarmac for ages, right? For some reason, takeoffs massively delayed, and we've carried on drinking. I mean, we're we're paralytic, mate. It was a twenty. It was like we got the seven o'clock, a seven a.m. flight up to Glasgow, and like the nine p.m. home, and in between, we'd been to this incredible game. We were we yeah. were absolutely fucking twatted. And he is sat there in a... I remember he had a big overcoat on. It was winter. And he was all unshaven. And his eyes were all red from drunkenness. And he had a woolly hat, hat like Benny from Crossroads pulled down over his ears, right? And he was sitting there explaining to me the pain and difficulties that he had faced in his life as a result of being so pretty, Right. <laughs> And he was doing it so loudly, right? Because he was, he's, he's, what he was trying to explain to me was, the thing is, Sam, you don't understand. He's going, when, you're lo- when you look like how I do, right? And it's really loud. We're on a f- fucking plane full of mainly Glaswegians. He's, got, he's talking in a very loud Cockney accent. Like, when you look like I do, when you have been born with, this, with these looks and my personality, he went, the thing is, people don't treat you the same. They treat you differently. People will always smile. They'll always want to be kind. And that means you never get any honest feedback from anyone because everyone's everyone's trying to butter you up because everyone fancies you. And I'm like, what about blokes? She goes, even blokes, even heterosexual blokes are going to be like slightly steered by the way that I look, right? Jalapeño. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you wouldn't be hearing this brief but annoying message if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your tits. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash iron filings. Jalapeño. Jalapeño. And I'm sitting there and I'm obviously loving it and fucking goading him a bit more and going, yeah, that must be really tough, man. And like getting him to say more and more. And in the end, stewardess has come over and she said, excuse me, um, you two are going to have to move, right? And I go, why? What, 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 you got to, what are you moving us for? And they said, 
well, we think that you're both drunk and we cannot <laughs> allow drunk people to be sat in these seats because in the event of an emergency, you need to be ready to, you know, they brief you a little bit, don't yeah. they, if you're sat in those seats. And I'm like, we're not drunk. I swear we're not drunk. And they go, well, we think, uh, we, we think you are. And I, go, I, I promise you, madam, we have barely had a drop. And she said, well, we think you are, and we're going to have to ask you to move. And then I got a little bit indignant and went, why on earth do you think we are drunk? And she led in and she went, the whole plane has been listening to him, pointing at my brother, tell you how his life has been held back by his prettiness for the last 40 minutes. The whole plane's hearing it. Right. I, I, madam, are you saying he's too beautiful for this plane? <laughs> It was like that. And they were like, in the end, it got a bit arsey. Cass was a bit with They're like, what fuck I said that? Right. And they said, yeah. if you don't tone it down, we're not only asking you to move, we're going to have to ask you to leave the plane. And I've said to it ever since, I've said, you nearly got us thrown off a plane for fucking ranting about your prettiness. Um, so fucking that's hell. what he's lived with. And But obviously sharing a room with me was difficult because... He wanted to take girls up to his room, and that's not yeah. that easy when you've got a snivelling little... So say when he was 14, when he was like really... He was already hitting his fucking... He was already hitting his imperial stage in terms of his sex yeah. life when he was 14, right? Um, which was intimidating for me as well once I hit my adolescence. Do you know what I mean? And you're struggling yeah. to so much as get a snog out of a girl, and you know from first-hand fucking witnessing that he's been having it off left, right and centre with the whole of fucking West London, right? Different whatever he did. <laughs> when he was yeah. 14, right? And I'm like... And like, yeah, so me hanging around in my fucking Star Wars pyjamas playing with my action force figures on the carpet when he brings the latest girl home, all of whom were always called either Stephanie, Tiffany, Michelle or Sharon. Or Tracy. Oh. They were all that pure 80s girls' Quality. names, right? Yeah. And every night, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, which one? who are you then? Stephanie, is it? No, my name's not Stephanie, actually. It's Tiffany. Yeah, I knew it'd be one of the two. <laughs> Go on, crack on. I'm just playing here with me action force. Don't worry, I won't be looking. <laughs> I'll turn me back. It's fine. I'm perfectly used to it. Fuck it, hell. I did not expect the bedtime episode to go in this direction. It is bedtime, technically. Very much bedtime. Not. Although the way he operated, it's, sometimes it'd be the middle of the afternoon. The day, well, bugger. I mean, yeah. And I one thought time, we'd be talking it, lights out, prayers, and off to sleep. But my no, mum would, would a- my mum would go out. Um, <laughs> my mum might go out in the evening, right? I'm not going to lie. She was on the disco scene, right? <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. And she, no, fair enough. She was a single woman, and she was lonely and worked hard, and she would go out of her mate. And they would go to um, Le Chat Noir, right? Which, as you'll know, yeah. translates as the Black Cat, uh, which I think was in Richmond, which is in like right down southwest London. Anyway, they'd go to Chat Noir or somewhere similar, and she'd go, Right, you're staying home to look after Sam, because I'd be young. And it would always be a row between Dom or Cass, because they were out feral every night. Which one had to stay home mm. to look after me? And they'd really resent it and make me feel bad about it. Why can't you just stay in your own? You're eight years old now. You're not going to start a fuck. You're not going to set fire to yourself, are you? Right. And so one of them had to stay home. So what happened was Cass stayed home, but he invited over two girls. Stephanie and, and Tiffany. And his good friend, Pancho from the Flats, right? 
the flats being <sighs> 200 hell. yards up the road. This has blown my mind. So Pancho from the flats turns up with these two Dorises, and I'm sitting watching telly. Like, I'd have, like, pirate videos on watching fucking Poltergeist or something when I was eight, right? Because they'd get all these, these like, yeah. killer sort of films from, from the uh, pirate video shop. So I'd be sitting there in my gym jams watching Poltergeist. Cass goes straight, goes, stay down here, I'm using the room. He goes straight upstairs with Tiffany or Stephanie, whichever one it was. And he said to Pancho from the flats, you stay down here, keep an eye on him. So Pancho from the flats is gutted. So he's on the sofa, right, with yeah. this other girl. And I remember him saying, he put a video on for me and said, sit there, watch the TV and don't look round. Right? Yeah. And so I just had to sit there watching Poltergeist (laughs) with, with with fucking Pancho from the Flats doing presumably some fingering on the sofa a few yards behind yeah. me and once in a while he'd just break off from what he was doing and say don't look round <laughs> <laughs> so yeah strange times the strange bedtimes um, that's but- a bit like when you're watching the tennis and it runs late and the, the caption comes on the screen BBC News will follow the end of this match yeah Every I was thinking, minutes. I hope he finishes whatever he does before Poltergeist finishes. But at times, the problem was Poltergeist was so scary, I did want to look away. But I couldn't. Yeah, but what could you do? I'd have just it had to have shut eyes. my eyes. But mm. none of that was... Um, none of it sound... I, I don't mean for any of that to sound abusive, because it wasn't. No one was unkind to me. These were teenage lads, and it was all innocent. They were with consensual girls, and they were just getting off with these girls. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. that shit goes down. I actually feel bad, in a way, for the situation whereby Cass was lumbered. Like I was resentful of it at the time, but now I look back and I think, mm. imagine that. You're trying to live your best life. You're the prettiest boy in West yeah. London, right? Yeah. And yet you're hindered by this albatross in the form of a snot-nosed fucking seven-year-old brother, right, Who's who you have to somehow fucking be responsible for at all times. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So looking back, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, he was a bit of a cunt to me, but I understand it. It would have been very annoying to have had to, totally. have, had to have shared a house, let alone a, a bedroom for all these years. But here's the funny thing, right? So all these years we went through and various fucking funny things happened. Like the morning I woke up and the mattress we had was so old. It was the same mattress my mum had slept on when she was a kid, right? We had the same bed. And the fucking spring comes out of it, finally gives in one morning. And a spring, (laughs) literally like in a cartoon, pops out through the mattress and stabs me in the arse, right? And I fucking (laughs) almost jump in like as high as seen. I go, ah! And wake my brother up. And he goes, what the fuck are you screaming for? I said, I've been, been stabbed in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like fucking fuming at me. But I've still got that scar on my ass now. It, was, it went fucking really hell. deep. It went really deep. It was a fucking sharp spring. Hell. It went bang straight in my ass cheek, right? Jesus and Christ. And then another Could time he got... Worse. The other time was he woke up one morning. It was the same thing. He woke me up. I go, ah! And I went, oh, what's the matter? And he went, ah, a fucking wasp flew in and stung me on the foot. <laughs> We'd left the window open. A, a wasp had just flown in like, all right, cunts. Oh, having a nice line, are you? We'll see about that. Sting. Oh, right, because his there's foot nice was foot. sticking out the fucking bottom of the duvet. And he's going apeshit. He goes, go and get something. 
So I ran into the bathroom, opened the bathroom cabinet, and you know, like, in any house, there's just loads of weird old medicines. You don't know what they're for or why they've been there, and a lot of them mm. are, like, just almost got mould on them. They've been there for So I'm fucking just throwing shit off the shelves looking for anything or what, and I got a can of Raljex, which is that shit they used to, like, it was like deep heat that they spray on you when you're playing football if you, like, bruise a leg or whatever. Remember, it yeah. sort of numbs you. It's got that very distinctive yeah. smell. And I didn't know. Well, I was a little boy. I didn't know what medicines worked and didn't work. But I'd heard of Raljex because they used it at my football club. So I got the Raljex and just ran into the room spraying it on his bee stick. And he's like, ah, what the fuck, fuck are you, you doing? <laughs> what the fuck's that? Oh, it's Raljex. Get it off there, you can't. You're making it worse. <laughs> so we had some fun times. But the funny thing is, like all of these stories and more, all quite dramatic, really embedded in my memory few years ago casually in passing we were at my mum's having lunch me and all my brothers are there and I made a passing comment about the room we used to share together and bear in mind we must have shared it together for well I think he moved out when he was about 17 18 so we must have we moved in when I was about five yeah I mean it was it was well over 10 years we shared this room and I went, oh yeah remember when we shared that room and he goes what room and I go our room he goes what room are you talking about I said, the room upstairs here, because my mum still lives in the same house, said, that front room, when we shared it. He went, no, he didn't. I went, mate, <laughs> the whole time you lived, do you remember living in this house? He goes, yeah, of course. And I said, the whole time you lived in this house, me and you shared that room together. And he just looked blankly at me. I knew he wasn't my own. He goes, got no memory of that whatsoever. <laughs> Fucking hell. What? He remembers that being his room. But he says yeah, he's got no memory of sharing it with me. Not acknowledged. Fucking Doesn't hell. Doesn't have any memory of sharing wow. it with me. Strange, right? Whereas for me, it's That's... like a huge... Yeah, you know, it's like a yeah, huge memory. Yeah, you've got so many memories of it. Fucking hell. Well, if they, I mean, they say you blank out some of the trauma sometimes, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So, no, I know. think he was... Just, I, I put it down to he was having... At the time of his life... He was yeah, uh, he, he, he was so in his wild oats. He was having the time yeah. of his life. He was hanging out with the Chiswick Soul Patrol. They were thriving. I mean, it was their heyday, right? <laughs> there was some great soul music in the charts. And he, his job, this is how impressive a man he was back then. His job was an usher slash sometimes ice cream sort of person at Hammersmith Odeon, which is now wow. the Hammersmith Apollo, which is like a five minute walk from my mum's house along the A4 right, right? It's, it's like yeah it's spitting distance from my mum's house and he got a job there and he saw every single band that played there for free fucking hell so he was earning coin from that shagging left right and centre and he was in the Chiswick Cell Patrol so those are his dominant memories the bit where he had to share with an annoying little kid who just was into West Ham and Star Wars that's been he's filed just away like, irrelevant fuck knows. That, that, yeah. that didn't even fucking touch the sides do you remember yeah, when exactly. I sprayed Raljex on your wasp sting <coughs> don't know what you're talking about don't know what no, wasp never, don't know what Raljex never been stung is stung by a wasp don't know what wasps are what's a wasp <laughs> yeah <laughs> I was too busy shagging to fucking know what a wasp was. I didn't have time for that sort of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. Yeah. I've just just had a a flashback there talking about bedtimes because that's what we're supposed to be talking about. When I was, this was in the first house before we moved when we were five, so I'll have been like probably four year old at this point. And my mum and dad would have friends round for, not a dinner party, they'd have them round for like a few drinks and snacks and that. We didn't have dinner parties, we were working class. 
but they'd have always left the, the living room door open or ajar. Yeah. In case there was any noise from me or my brother upstairs. Yeah. Crying, fell out of bed, whatever, that sort of thing. So I used to sneak down the stairs so fucking quietly, so softly, yeah. and then just sneak into the little gap where the door was ajar in the living room because next to the living room door was the the settee. It was up against the wall, but not completely because yeah. the back of the settee was at an angle. So there was a kind of like a triangular gap that you could get into yeah. between the wall and the back of the settee. So I'd sneak in and hide behind the settee and they had no idea I was there. And I'd listen to their conversations for about 20 minutes yeah. and the swearing. Oh I yeah, heard, exciting. Which you never heard on yeah. a day-to-day basis. But I'm yeah. talking about words that I was aware of, like bloody and oh, yeah. bugger. Yeah, yeah. But they were probably saying the F word. But you they might wouldn't have even, even recognised that as a swear word. I wouldn't have recognised them exactly. I'd never you heard them before. To you, it was just a noise. Just just vernacular that, that yeah. was just adult talk, like like engineering, machinery <laughs> stuff, you know. Yeah. Just words that were beyond my vocabulary. And I'd do that, then I'd get bored, then fuck off back to bed again. But the room was always full of smoke because at least one of them would smoke. My mum and dad didn't, but like they'd have mates around. And they'd let their mates smoke in the house. Oh, yeah. Imagine that now. Oh, well, you know I mean? just don't mind full. if I light up, do you? My, no, of course not. Go my whole it. house was just covered in ashtrays everywhere. Like, every yeah. fucking flat surface had a filled ashtray on it. Um, that was fucking it. Hell. I mean, it was disgusting how homes must have smelt, but I suppose we were all yeah. so used to the smell of fags that it just seemed, it just blended in. But there'd have been cigars as well, because I remember my dad used to have a, oh, yeah. a box of Hamlets. Oh, that would probably lovely. be only opened for one of these occasions when yeah. mates came round. Get out the Hamlets. Kind of a, a soiree, let's call it. Go and fetch me Hamlets. Go on, let's have an Hamlet, shall we? Yeah, let's treat ourselves. <laughs> but in the house. Yeah, Don't go outside mad. and do it in the house. Disgusting. Hey, that's bedtime, Sam. We've covered it. We said we would. Yeah, we didn't even and get onto the article, which I'll share. Lots of people have shared it with us, actually. It's, on, it's an article right. on the BBC website, and it's just called The Forgotten Medieval Habit of Two Sleeps. For millennia, people slept in right, two okay. shifts, once in the evening and once in the morning. But why right. and how did the habit disappear? So I'll leave it at that. But it's an interesting article, and um, I hope that we could start a campaign to get back to... I mean, basically, me and you do do that anyway, but that's our personal yeah, choice. Yeah, we're, we're prolific nappers. Yeah. yeah. Good. All right, that's bedtime then. Um, I'm sure we've covered every possible angle of it that you were expecting us to cover. <laughs> um, thanks very much for listening, and goodbye. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.